Now, I'm not suggesting match fixing. <laughs> but everybody goes home happy in that case. Hello and welcome to the Super Byron Podcast. After grinding out a goalless draw against RB Leipzig last weekend, Bayern Munich have it all to play for in the Bundesliga when they face Eintracht Frankfurt on Saturday. We're here to talk about what should be an exciting end to the Bundesliga season. I'm Benjamin Scott and I'm joined by my friends Garrett Kerber. Hey guys, one word, cautious optimism. <laughs> one word, Tim Richards. <laughs> Hello there. And of course, Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. So as I said, Bayern Munich drew RB Leipzig uh, 0-0 in Leipzig this past weekend, meaning that they still need at least a draw or a win to secure the Bundesliga title on Saturday um, because Borussia Dortmund did win. Bayern really didn't look too bad to me, I thought, on Saturday. Maybe I'm wrong. That's why I want to hear from you guys. But, um, Sebastian, why couldn't Bayern score against Frankfurt? That really is a very good question. Uh, I guess at least a partial answer would be that a, a number of players that haven't been uh, so great at scoring recently have gotten even worse at it, I think, um, especially talking about Lodowski and Coman here. Uh, Kingsley Coman, I mean, he's never been the perfect kind of goal scorer. And, uh, yeah, he wasn't exactly brilliant in this game. And Lewandowski, yeah, has kind of a drought right now, so... I guess that has been an issue, and I think we have talked about that. Uh, we rely too much at times on Lewandowski to score those goals, and I think uh, the last match has been a good example of that. But I think that's not really enough of an explanation, but I guess that's as much as I can say on that, really. Tim, would you agree that I, I didn't think Bayern looked that bad on, against Leipzig. I thought we very easily could have scored and could have put away some goals. So do you think it was down to individuals like Lewandowski, Coman, missing chances? Or do you think there was something more going on with the team, that there was something just tactically off or something you know, just not working out for them there? Yeah, I think I agree with Sebastian. It was a matter of we've relied so much on, on like the same outlet for so long. But we've also seen repeatedly that can't be a guarantee every single week. This is probably one of Lewandowski's best seasons, in my opinion, in terms of like what I want from him. Um, so to see him not score in many games now, at least not from open play, um, it's a shame, but it is just he is out of form. Um, and of course, like Coman's not in the best form at all. And Gnabry, we don't really know what he's like as a Bayern player with the exception of this season like who knows what he's going to be like next season um I think it's important to remember that this the the team that Bayern faced have the best defense in the league and by like Mm -hmm. a fairly considerable margin I think only Bayern have conceded fewer like five fewer four or five fewer um yeah I don't think we played terribly not as not as terribly as I think some of the the fallout suggests we did Um, because we had the ball in the back of the net. I don't, I still don't know if that was an offside decision. It was, it was so, it's just, it's millimeters. It's not even going to be, oh, he was like, he was a few inches offside. It was was like millimeters. Um, 
but you know if the referee's saying that it's offside then it's offside I guess um so it's a shame that 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 goal didn't stand uh, for whatever reason um you know I don't want to do the whole Uli Hernes thing and say oh but in reality we did win that game so yeah we are like we got the three points when we didn't um but yeah it's it's a, another frustrating attacking performance but I think the excuse not to make excuses uh would be Leipzig have a very very good defense yeah I think it'd be pretty yeah, I... a great point sorry um Garrett but Leipzig actually have allowed less goals in the Bundesliga this season than Bayern Munich Tim they've they've um conceded four less uh than Bayern so I think that's a great point um to bring up but go ahead Garrett and I was just going to um, kind of just kind of to piggyback on what um, what everybody's kind of been saying in terms of just relying a little bit too, too much on Lewandowski. I I think that that's part of the answer, and I think that also part of it is just um, in the way that Niko Kovac likes to play is to really hammer on those wide areas, and when Kingsley Coman and and uh, Serge Gnabry are both not playing super well. It's really hard to um, open up Lewandowski, and I and I think that that's kind of what we saw Leipzig do is really focus on getting their fullbacks um, into uh, Bayern's wingers and and causing them problems, and then just allowing uh, I believe his I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong uh, Konate. Was phenomenal marking Lewandowski. Um, he, I mean, he's a big, a big guy that was going head to head with Louis and and was able to win a lot of aerial battles. And um, so, yeah, I mean, they were they were pretty content to kind of sit back and absorb a little bit because their back line is so good, and and then just kind of counter with their speedy forwards and. Um, and then just play physical with Byron on the wings and in the middle and uh, in the midfield. And kind of surprisingly there, I, I look back cause I, from my recollection, it was a pretty physical match and only two yellow cards were given out on in the match though. And, and both went to Byron. So um, Leipzig wanted to play physical and get Byron out of a rhythm. And they were able to do that. Um, I looked at some of the stats, um, Bayern were one for 22 on crosses. So that's 5% roughly for those doing the math. And, um, that is going to be really hard to, uh, to, to score many goals when you're only connecting on one of 22, uh, especially when you do rely so heavily on, on service coming from those wings. Uh, in, in, in total, they had 11 shots, um, in just six corners, uh, and, and in the previous five Bundesliga matches, Bayern had averaged a total of 22.6 shots per game and 9.4 corners. So Leipzig definitely bottled the uh, Bayern offense. Um, and in a lot of ways, or one of the good indicators of how they were able to do that, Bayern had seven offsides um, called on them. And that, that is the, they had seven total in the previous five Bundesliga matches. So whatever they were doing um, in defense, it was working pretty, pretty darn well to, uh, to keep Bayern from getting into any sort of a rhythm. 
And, uh, and yeah, you know, you can look at that, that, uh, offside call that, that really shouldn't have been. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. You know, you, you have to create more chances. You can't just, you know, put yourself in a position where that, that can be the game deciding, um, moment. And so, yeah, Iron just weren't able to really get anything going. Leipzig did a good job closing them down. Um, and we'll, and we'll talk about the subs in a minute, but, um, I think also it's worth pointing out that, um, the Leipzig goalkeeper made five saves and, and, and a, a couple of them were really good saves. So that just kind of continues the trend of mm-hmm. Byron coming up against good goalkeepers. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have to give credit to Ralph Rangnick and the RB Leipzig defense and Peter Galashi, especially for for stepping up. Um, Tim, one thing I found interesting was that Niko Kovac finally played Serge Gnabry on the left and Kingsley Coman on the right for this match. Do you think that experience worked out um, or maybe warranted at least another shot uh, with Gnabry on the left and Coman on the right? Yeah, definitely. I think I didn't agree with his substitutions. But the, the initial setup of the team is something that I'd like to have seen more of. I, th- I, I really did not want to see Nabry come off that early. If, if I, obviously, I've been very critical of him in the past few weeks. But if any winger was to come off uh, that early in the game, it would have been Coman on for Iron Robin. Bayern needed a goal because, OK, we're still top of the league, but we really we could have won the league. Uh, last week uh, or uh, on Saturday even and you know if anybody's going to come on and make a difference chances are it's going to be Iron Robin because um, he's going to be less reliant on other people being in form if you put Ribery on he's not going to be able to take on defenders and do something with it uh, with it himself he's going to have to take on a defender and then give it to somebody else like Lewandowski so if he's out of form then it's kind of a bit of a wasteful substitution Um but yeah, I, re- I really liked seeing Nabry on the left. I think he's a very talented dribbler, um, very quick, very strong. Um, it is a shame that Kanate played one of the best individual performances I've ever seen a central defender of that age do. Um, but yeah, I, I can imagine that we'll see more of that in the future uh, with Nabry on the left. Sebastian, you've been kind of critical of Kovac's subs all season. So do you agree with what Tim was saying there? Yeah, I, I didn't really understand any of that. I mean, the, I, of course, I agree uh, with bringing on Ian Robin, but uh, he certainly wouldn't have been my third sub. And I really did not see any use in Rafinha on the pitch when we are trying to score a goal. I really don't don't see what that was about, and also Ribery would never have been my my first choice, uh, not as a as a sub in general, but also not uh, being the actual first person uh, I get on the pitch. I would have loved to uh, see Renato Sanchez a bit or uh, Alfonso Davies. I think they could have could have done much better with those minutes. Would have been better for them. Would have been better for the club. But yeah, I mean if kind of come to expect these these kinds of substitutions because, it, frankly, it's uh, what Kovac usually does. He brings brings on the, the older, probably what he thinks, more reliable guys. But I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't, don't really... I mean, even if I 
if if I give it, give him the credit for that, that he says, all right, I want want to uh, bring people on who are, who have more experience, who are more maybe more reliable. Even even if I give him that, I, I still don't get the reasoning behind bringing on Robin last. I, it just doesn't make make sense for me, and and it's really a bit frustrating. As much as as I'm prepared to defend Kovac against all the nonsense uh, that I'm reading, uh, it's uh, yeah everywhere on the internet, or at least in many places all over the internet. Yeah, at that I really cannot defend. I fear. What what's most um kind of baffling to me about the Aryan Robin substitution is that he brought him in in the 89th minute. So. That's kind of that's a mo- a substitution you make when you're winning a game and you want to just waste a little bit of time. That's no one's going to come in and change a game in the 89th minute. I mean, no matter who you are, that's not giving anyone enough time. So yeah, I definitely would agree that, that those were, I mean, not only strange but just poor uh, decisions from Niko Kovac to, you know, wait to bring them in and then the order that he made them in. Yeah, my biggest issue was the order um, more than anything because I. I don't necessarily love. Uh, I didn't necessarily love Rafinha coming on for Tiago, but Tiago picked up a knock, and um, they wanted to get him off. Um, I like, like you guys kind of mentioned. I maybe preferred Sanchez um, over Rafinha, but I really don't have a major, major problem with the sub itself. But yeah, the Robin I felt should have come on for Coman about. 10, 15 minutes earlier than he did. And, and I probably would have basically just fl- flipped those around and had Robin, Robin come on for Coman first and then uh, Ribery come on for Nabri late if, if you still felt like you needed him. But, um, yeah, my biggest issue is the timing and the order of the subs. And that's um, – I, I mean, yeah, you can live with it, I guess. Um I, I really feel like he, he, that could have changed the, the look of that game had Robin come on earlier. I think we are all kind of in agreement that um, I, even though I think there was a couple sites I looked at that Coman was actually rated higher than uh, Nabri on, on the, on the match. But I, I think from the eye test anyway, it looked to me like Coman needed to come off. And um, so, yeah, just, just an order issue for me. This is kind of, I guess, an open-ended question, but um, is there anything from the match on this past Saturday that really concerned you ahead of the DFB-Pokal final um, in a week and a half's time? We don't have any goal threat. Like If Lewandowski is still going to be out of form, we are reliant on Serge Nabry. Thomas Muller isn't getting goal numbers. He's, I think he's doing fine. Um, I think a lot of people have kind of acclimatized to him getting, you know, double digits, like at least 10 goals a season. He really only did that like a few times. I think he, he might have done it a few times. I'm thinking in particular of how he played under Guardiola in, in Guardiola's last season, where he was one of, it was like his highest scoring season by a long way. I think this is Muller coming back to his normal standard. Obviously, Muller doesn't do anything normally. Um, but he isn't getting as many goals. He's getting assists and like key passes, and he can put in a good cross. Um, but for the most part, I look at that front four, and I don't see anybody other than Nabry at the moment who could potentially get a goal. So I think 
Lewandowski really does need to step up, um, if not this week, then certainly the week after in the final, as, you know, I am a big game player. I can do it when it matters. Because he scored last year, but then didn't score enough last year. Um, I think that's kind of like the first thing that, that stands out. Bayern didn't concede to Leipzig. It didn't really look like they were going to concede at times. Um, as for the midfield, I think Thiago is marginally a better midfielder than Emil Forsberg. Um, yeah, I, I can't see that being a problem. I can't see the defence being a problem. In terms of goalkeepers, I think they're fairly evenly matched. I think Gulacci is a really talented goalkeeper. But if Neuer's back, then... You know, let's hope for some let's hope for some magic there. But Bayern need to find a way to get a goal somehow. I would I definitely agree that I never felt like Leipzig posed a real goal scoring threat. Um, I thought Niklas Sula especially, but also Matt Hummels were really really solid at the back and just shut down everything. Um, Sula shows showing Timo Werner that he's just as fast as he is and he can uh, chase down those balls just as quickly. So. I'd have to agree with you, you know, on, on all accounts. I'm much more worried about how we're going to put the ball in the back of the net than I am with how we're going to keep the ball out of the back of our own net. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of uh, concerned uh, about how uh, I have I, I have not seen uh, a real consistency still uh, where where we are going. Uh, I, I'm sometimes I mean. Let, probably let's address uh, what some people have criticizing about Kovac. So many people, and I think we have talked about that last week, often talk about Kovac's problem with tactics, uh, that he's that's not his uh, not, not not really a strong point uh, of him, and and all of that. And I definitely disagree with that. I think he definitely knows his stuff in in that department. But I but I feel like uh, what we have been lacking is. Yeah, a clear concept. Uh, what we are trying trying to do in in the in the bigger uh, kind of sense, where we are trying, in which direction we are trying to develop this. So I think we have we have often seen him react with tactics to to certain uh, to certain opponents and to certain situations. But what well, what I think has sometimes been lacking is that that idea where we're trying in in which direction we are trying to develop here. And I think. Uh, yeah, that that's that really hurts us right now, because yeah, we we have we haven't really developed an idea of how we're going to score those goals, as we have pointed out before, and I, and I think that's very much uh, connected to this problem that Lewandowski is our one main goal scorer, and we, and we have few others uh, apart from him. So yeah, I guess. Yeah, that that's also my issue here. I, I'm not quite sure how we are going to score so many more goals, uh, how we are gonna create more chances, and yeah, how we're going to go about score, scoring more goals, making more out of those chances. So I guess that's really the problem for me too. I think the problem is we've been we've gotten a lot of inconsistency from from our from our wings and our wide players, and um, which is kind of to be expected from Kingsley Coleman and, and Serge Gnabry. They're, they're young players. They haven't really um, established themselves in any meaningful fashion. And I, th and I think that that's a huge reason why we're, we're seeing such up and down play in terms of, you know, we'll score five, six goals, you know, in back-to-back -back matches 
and then it's one and two and one, you know, I think it's just players that are young and inexperienced that are trying to keep up that level every week. And um, because I do think that that's, that's what Kovac wants to do is play on the wings. And um, unfortunately been trying to, uh, we, we haven't seen Kimmich actually like put in a performance like he did. Oh, what match was that? I don't remember which match it was, but you know, when he's has a hand and three or four goals, you know, putting in crosses, we haven't seen that from him really uh, for a while. And it, I, I think that, like you said, it, it's concerning that I don't know where the goals are going to come from if they're not coming from Lewandowski. Um, but I think that we've had that concern for a long time, and we just got to kind of hold our breath for two more matches and and uh, hope that Coach can come up with something, uh, or you know, the that the players can have their moments of brilliance and and, and we can just end this season on on a double high note i guess well we'll talk more about Bayern's need to add significant attacking threat uh, here in a minute um before we do that we need to talk about Bayern's game against frankfurt on saturday because before they go and play in the dfb pokal final they still have to wrap up the bundesliga um they have a chance to do that on saturday they only need a draw or a win um against frankfurt and uh borussia dortmund dropping points would also do the trick um for Bayern munich tim we know that you're our Eintracht Frankfurt guy. You've been following them a lot this season. How is this match going to play out? Well, if Bayern and Frankfurt draw, both of them can get what they want. Now, I'm not suggesting match fixing. <laughs> but everybody goes home happy in that case. <laughs> Except uh, for Dortmund. Yeah, and that's ultimately what we all want mm-hmm. in life. <laughs> right, uh, exactly. And uh, if and uh, let's think about this. Let's 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 be grown ups here for a second. Um, Frankfurt have got the opportunity to play. Top, I think the Europa League football, or at least Champions League football, um, potentially. I think. Um, so they still have quite a lot to play for. Bayern have got a lot to play for. I think regardless of what happens, no team is going to think, okay, well, season's over. Like, Bayern are going to win this anyway. Frankfurt are going to show up and they're going to play for a win, obviously, because you have players like uh, our, our favourite Ante Rebic and, uh, and Gacinovic and hopefully David Abraham. If David Abraham plays against Bayern, I will be so happy because it's usually against him that Lewandowski decides to think, oh, wait, I'm great at football now. So hopefully we can see him play. They have players that are there that are there for like a mentality thing. And like we've seen Kovac mention the whole mentality thing before. And I think we're going to see that. These people aren't going to, you know, Bayern could potentially be 4-0 up at half time. That doesn't mean that these players are going to come out looking all disheartened. They're going to come out and they're going to want to score more goals. Um, it really depends entirely on what their their front three are going to uh, are going to line up as. Um, so Sebastian Alaves come back from injury. 
which is a, a huge benefit. He, well, players like Ante Rebic and Luka Jovic have taken most of the headlines. I think he's quietly been the most important part of that trio. Uh, so I think if they feel all three of them, then Bayern are going to be in for like a bit of a challenge. I don't want to say that oh, Bayern are doomed, but... Um, yeah, it could it could be like a return to our old ways with our defence from this season. Uh, but, yeah, this is a... I just want them to both draw, just so everybody's happy. Why can't we all just get along? Is that too much to ask? Well, um, maybe it is for Frankfurt, because they haven't won a game, any of their last six games. Uh, that's when you include all competitions. They haven't won any of their last five Bundesliga games, so... Um, maybe that correlates with Sebastian Allaire being out, like you said, but they're really not looking so great at the moment, um, just being being completely honest. Um, Sebastian, Garrett, do you think uh, you think this one's going to end a draw, or do you think Bayern Munich come out and get the win? Well, I guess certainly uh, Niko Kovac is going to be looking for a win. Uh, I guess he, he knows... Or pro- probably suspects that, uh, well, uh, yeah, his job is not as secure as he would like, and as one might might think from the pure statistics of it, from the pure numbers. So I guess he's certainly looking for a win, or should be looking for, for a win. Well, that that said, he has been known to sometimes play it safe. Yeah, but but I can't can't really see a a draw here. I think. Bayern is going to win that one. Um, maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe not with too many goals, but I guess they should manage to score once or twice. And well, yeah, Frankfurt has not ha- have not been looking uh, so so great uh, as they as they did earlier in the season. So I guess if there has has been a time uh, this season where it's going to be relatively easy. Uh, to beat Frankfurt, this is surely going to be right now. So I'm expecting a win for Bayern here. And a loss, of course, would be uh, a huge problem. Mm-hmm. But but I don't see that coming. There's no reason to be uh, cautious with this match. I mean, there's no reason to not come out and be aggressive uh, and put out the best possible lineup. I mean, you have a week before... The, the Pokal final, you, you know, the, everything to play for right now. I don't think a draw does anything to help him um, in terms of his job security. There's there's no reason to not come out, play aggressive, and go f- go for you know four nil, five nil win if you know if you can get it. Um, really, honestly, I mean, I, I would hope that the mentality and even you know. To some degree, the tactics would be the same as the uh, the Dortmund match uh, in in this second half of the season, where they're you know pressing a little bit higher and making the back line of uh, Frankfurt p- play a little bit um, and and make some decisions and um, speed them up a little bit more maybe than what they want to play, and um, so that's what I would like to see. I, like I said, I, there's no reason not, not to win this match when when uh, Eintracht has only secured two points out of their last five Bundesliga matches, and they really haven't. They really even haven't shown much offensive bite. And 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 like you said, with uh, how they're coming back, you could 
makes a difference. But still, I there's just there's just no reason not to win this match. You have you cannot drop any points, even even though you're gonna win the title with a draw. You you can't do it if you want to really secure your job and like kind of shut people up a little bit. <laughs> you need to you need to do that. Absolutely, and plus the title winning party is never as fun when it just ends with a draw and not with a victory. So. Uh, with a four-one yeah. defeat against Stuttgart, <laughs> that was that was a tense environment. <laughs> um, Bayern and Frankfurt aren't the only two Bundesliga sides with a lot to play for this weekend. If you look at the the table, um, positions one through nine are almost all completely open. The only one that's settled is third place, and RB Leipzig has got that nailed down. But first, second, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth could all go to a whole number of different teams. So. Um, to kind of look a, slightly away from Byron for a second, what who do you guys think are going to finish um, in positions one through seven? Uh, of course, uh, I have Byron as as the as the champions. Uh, I guess uh, no further comment needed there. That makes Dortmund uh, second place and Leipzig, as you said, uh, is in the third place. I guess we probably all agree on those first three. So probably uh, not much debate on that. Uh, following that, I have Bayer Leverkusen. I think uh, that would be well-deserved. They have been been looking pretty good recently. And I think they also are promising for an upcoming Champions League season. I think that would be good for uh, yeah German football in general. Because I expect them to do relatively well, I guess. In fifth place, I have mentioned Gladbach, uh, which I guess uh, won't make them all that happy. Uh, I guess for a while they had been looking uh, somewhat better than that, but I guess uh, it's a good uh, it's, it's a good thing still for them. Uh, my sixth place is still not Frankfurt, of course, but it's uh, TSG Hoffenheim, which uh, I think I would like uh, since uh, I have. At least some sympathy uh, for TSG Hoffenheim, since their stadium is just, uh, I don't know, 20 or 30 kilometers from where I live. Um, so that's also a good thing. And then on the seventh, uh, in the seventh spot, I have Eintracht Frankfurt barely still uh, making the Europa League, uh, which I guess is still uh, all right for them. Uh, I guess, yeah. Of course, uh, a, a draw would uh, do would do uh, would go, go a very long way for them there, but I don't see that coming. But uh, since I I have uh, Wolfsburg drawing against Augsburg, uh, they barely uh, make it and are in the Europa League. That that last result, Sebastian, is the only um, one where I disagree with you. So my top five would mm-hmm. be the, the exact same: Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig, Leverkusen, Gladbach. Uh, but I think Wolfsburg are going to beat Augsburg this weekend. Um, I think they've got it. And this second half of the season has been pretty good for them compared to the first. And so I think it'd be a shame for them not to get the win. Um, and I also think Hoffenheim are going to win. And so they jump into seventh. And I hate to do this, Tim, but their goal differential is so much better than Frankfurt's, who I think is going to uh, lose to Bayern this weekend and um, heartbreakingly finish in eighth place and miss out on any sort of European competition. Uh, as As much as... I would think that they deserve it as well. Um, they've been amazing at times to watch this season, but they've just fallen off so hard recently that I, I don't see any way they get a point this weekend. And 
if other results don't go their way, they're they're in trouble. Frankfurt's not going to be very exciting next year after Bayern buys Luka Jovic and Ante Rebic and all their good players. So we don't have to worry about Brady's them being in here. Back as well. <laughs> <laughs> the, the real hero of Frankfurt. He kind of is. I saw them in the Europa League, and he's he was just running all over the place. It's great. I don't know the the fan support um, at the uh, at the their match against Chelsea was pretty cool. Uh. My table starts with Bayern winning. Obviously, that'd be a pretty terrible podcast if I thought, ah, we're not going to do it this year. Uh, second place, Dortmund. I can see them maybe drawing against Gladbach. Um, Gladbach's kind of one of those teams where you don't really necessarily know what one's going to show up. So hopefully a strong one. Um, I reckon that, that would be a draw. Um, Leipzig, I, I can see them getting three points against Werder Bremen. Um so Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig, Gladbach with a draw. Leverkusen, I can see them losing to Hertha Berlin. Um, I think going to the Olympic Stadium in Berlin is is a bit of a challenge. And Peter Bosch isn't the most consistent manager in the world. So while they're in good form at the moment, there's every chance that Berlin will be the team to make them fall. Uh, I can predict Wolfsburg beating Augsburg. Um Wolfsburg have kind of picked up a little bit over the past couple of months and Augsburg are, I, th- I don't remember a time where they haven't been mid-table. Um, Frankfurt to lose against Bayern. Hoffenheim to draw against Mainz. Um, Hoffenheim haven't looked at their best recently. I think that Mainz could potentially give them an upset and they're at home as well, so that counts as something. And Bremen to lose against Leipzig. So Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig, Gladbach, Leverkusen, Wolfsburg, Frankfurt, Hoffenheim, Bremen. You guys have already pretty much said all my thoughts, so I'll keep it short and sweet. Uh, FC Bayern, Deutsche Meister, uh, first place. Uh, with a win over Frankfurt this weekend. And then uh, Dortmund will draw with Gladbach, um, so they'll finish in second. Um, RB Leipzig in third. Leverkusen winning and finishing in fourth position with uh, Munch Blaubach at, um, in the fifth with 56 points. And then I actually, I w- I've been swayed um, and I had Wolfsburg in the seventh or in the sixth position. Um, but after looking at things and hearing you guys uh, uh, wax poetic about their terrible uh, chances, of, I, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm gonna. See, we're gonna see Frankfurt um, in the sixth position. I just looked at the the form uh, of Wolfsburg and um, and and Mainz has actually had a pretty good uh, run as well. So uh, Wolfsburg and you know having lost to Stuttgart three uh, nil last week, um, that doesn't bode well for them. And then. Um, uh, who, who? Why did I say? Why did I say Mainz? Who's playing Mainz? Hoffenheim. So, yeah. Disregard the, the Mainz comment. I think that uh, Mainz will uh, will uh, draw Hoffenheim. I guess to keep Hoffenheim from being uh, in the sixth position uh, as well. So, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up my top six with uh, Frankfurt, and I, I guess. Uh, I guess if I if I got to go top seven, then I guess Hoffenheim um, uh, could sneak in. 
uh, depends on whether I decide on the fly whether Augsburg is going to draw with Wolfsburg or if they're actually going to beat them. Uh, I'm going to say they're going to beat them, and I'm going to say Hoffenheim get in the seventh position. That's that's on the fly verbal thinking right there. <laughs> so we all four have different um, predictions, I guess, for the top seven. So that's pretty interesting. I guess we'll we'll find out about four days from now who who is right. Um, just a little bit more before we wrap this thing up. Uh, as far as transfer rumors goes for this past week, it's been a pretty good one for both Garrett and myself. Um, so both Paulo Dybala and Leroy Sané have been linked with a move to Bayern um, from somewhat decent sources. I mean, they may be somewhat far-fetched, but they're not totally unimaginable moves, which is really, really exciting to head into a summer um, thinking that moves like that are a possibility for Bayern Munich. So this is mostly a question for Tim and Sebastian because we already know where myself and Garrett will probably stand on this. Uh, between the two, Paulo Dybala and Leroy Sané, assuming they'll cost close to the same amount, somewhere between 80 to 100 million euros, who would you buy? <sighs> it's a close call, but I guess ultimately I'd actually go with Dybala. Uh, I just don't don't really really trust Leroy Sané. Uh, I just have fear uh, as to how that's going to turn out in terms of mentality. Uh, I just have concerns there. I don't think uh, we can afford to have too many players who are not really pulling their weight for the team, who are just there for yeah their their own business basically. Um, and I, and I think we we kind of have a handful of players who are like that and I think what we do need is more players with a great character uh, who put the team first and their own interest second and who do this every week or uh, twice a week if needed uh, and, and I don't just don't see that in Leroy Sané as talented as he is not that I necessarily see that see that in Dybala uh, but uh, but I guess my concerns with him are just not as strong. Of course, both are brilliant players. Both are very talented. Both both bring a skill set to the table that I would love at Bayern. So, yeah, I guess that's my perspective on that. So that was the wrong answer. Um, Tim, would you like to do better? <laughs> yeah, bring back Sebastian Broder. That's <laughs> what we really. <laughs> uh, between the two. Instinctively, I would say Leroy Sané. Sané, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Name, but he, uh, in my opinion, because Ben told you to. <laughs> no, no, no. This is a one hundred percent independent decision that I've that I've made. Um, but then again, of course, I do risk being kicked off the podcast forever if I say Dubai. But uh, in my opinion, Leroy Sané would bring. Uh, I guess a fix to a problem that really should have been solved several years ago. Um, while I, I think Paolo Dybala is a fantastic player, his career at Juventus has really hit several speed bumps involving them attempting to take their their squad to the next level. So he played as a, a second striker. Well, he, he played as a as like a lone forward um, at. Palermo? Palermo? Mm. Yeah, uh, one of the two. Um, and then was brought to Juventus and played off of a big man. So he was playing uh, off of 
um, uh, Mario Mandzukic and then Alvaro Morata. He he more or less replaced what Carlos Tevez brought to that team, which was a great, great player and a huge loss. And so them picking up Dybala for, for however much they did, I don't actually think it was that much comparatively. Um, there was That was a great bit of business. He was given quite an emblematic number, like the number 21 at Juventus. And then from there, after Pogba left, was given the number, number 10. And then from that, they brought in Higuain, and he didn't really work out very well because Higuain's not really the sort of player that needs somebody to play off of him. And then from Higuain, they went straight to Ronaldo, and that's not really worked well. So while they don't have Higuain anymore, they've got another player that doesn't necessarily need to have somebody work off of him. He's very much a lone wolf in that sense. So he's been played out wide, he's been playing deeper, and it's not really doing what it is that he's best at, which is, you know, taking the ball off of off of the big guy and running forward. Um, he's kind of static in that sense. So you kind of have to wonder why have they given this guy like such an emblematic number at Juventus and for all intents and purposes said to him, you're going to be the guy and then gone and bought more forwards because they couldn't get the results from him. In that sense, I think Dybala would be a great asset to Bayern, but not a necessary one. He would be a replacement for Muller, I guess, or I guess a replacement for Hammers, but he's slightly he's even more attacking than Hammers is. Yeah, that that's um pretty much my thing with Sané. I really do like Dybala as a player. I think he's great, and I absolutely wouldn't complain about um Bayern bringing him in. But I think our biggest area of need has got to be on the wings. And as far as wingers go, it doesn't get much better for Bayern um, than Leroy Sané. And I think if he's available on the market at all, we have to do everything we can to go in, uh, go all in on him. And uh, we don't have a ton of time to sit here and debate back and forth on that because I know we could. Um, but Garrett, would you like to give your defense of Paulo Dybala? Because I do assume that's who you would uh, choose between the two. Yeah, I, I've gone back and forth on this actually today when I've been thinking about it is, you know, because you're probably, you're probably not able to get both. And I think ultimately they're not going to get either i that's kind of my pessimistic outlook on it um i just think it's going to end up it would end up costing too much money and they can find other options um for that are similar for uh for a little bit less money i i think that the thing about uh dibala that is appealing to me is i kind of and and maybe people are gonna rake me over coals for this because maybe I'm wrong, but I, I kind of look at him as like a better Luka Jovic in that I think that he's got all those skills, um, except he's a better passer and because uh, he, he plays the, that second striker position is his, kind of his best fit. Um, but when they bring Ronaldo and Ronaldo and Mandzukic, um, like they do, that kind of left no spot for Dybala, which again, like Tim kind of said, I don't know why they put him in a, you know, in, in such an emblematic number and then, and then kind of move him around. Um, and I think it's just a case of them wanting to, him to be a player that he's not. And I think at Bayern, he wouldn't necessarily be asked to be, you know, uh, 
the next messy, you know, which is what, you know, people have kind of been placing on him uh, since he kind of broke onto the scene. So I think he'd be a good fit in terms of providing uh, some, some uh, relief for Lewandowski uh, for it, in terms of a guy who you can rely on to score and who can play on the wing and who can also play more centrally. I think he's a better fit for Byron than, than James is. And, um, but like I said, I'm, I'm not convinced that they're going to end up getting either of them. I know that Dybala has been linked with Man United and uh, Atletico Madrid and, and even Inter Milan. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think that Bayern will get him. I would love to see them get both of them and uh, Rodri from Atletico Madrid and, you know, spend all the money and get all the players. But, uh, but yeah, I, and like I said, I wouldn't be, if we ended up with Sané instead of Dybala, I wouldn't be heartbroken. Um, I, I don't know enough about him to know um, about any character issues that, um, that uh, Sebastian is mentioning. So I'll cede to him on that, but um, yeah, I would prefer Dybala. Um, I think he fills some holes that, that, that we, we have. And, um, and, and, and gives a level of flexibility. That's pretty much my, my main reason. Well, like Sebastian, you are also wrong. So, <laughs> no. you know, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but one final question before we end this, Bayern Munich unveiled their new home kits today for the next season. Um, anyone have any strong thoughts about those? Uh, I think they look pretty good. Um, I think the biggest complaint from a lot of people is that they're lacking a lot of white. And so I would agree there. Um, overall, I think they would probably be an improvement on this season. So, uh, didn't know if anyone had any, any strong thoughts, anything they wanted to mention about those kits. Yeah, I guess I have never been so much a fan of, uh, single color, uh, jerseys. So, uh, I actually would, and I do prefer white, uh, as a second color. I think that's the more traditional thing while, uh, while I, when I grew up as a Bayern fan, uh, the second color was usually blue, but I guess this is a thing of the past for quite a, wh- a while by now. So I, w- I would really have uh, I would really have preferred a bit of white in there, but otherwise, they they are not perfect. They are not the nicest ones that I've ever seen, but I guess they are fine. Well, there you go, just fine. Final, uh, final do. I like them better than than this year's. Um, I I think like I would add. I would have, you know, made maybe the collar and maybe the cuffs on the sleeves white or something, um, just to add a little splash of white in there. Um, but I am in the like and to love range. I kind of go back and forth, but overall, thumbs up. Well, maybe they'll um, listen to the podcast and get it get it right next year. Put a little bit of white in there for us. So, uh, well, that's all the time we have for this one. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at SuperByronPod to keep up to date with us. You can also get in touch with us by emailing us at SuperByronPod at gmail.com. You can find our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all the major podcast catchers. Um, if we're not there, let us know and we'll do our best to get on uh, your podcast catcher. Thank you for listening. Go out and tell all your friends and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>